0: somewhere in northeast indiana mike davidson lives and now your host of the podcast mike davidson well yes mr robert thank you very much mike with you here this is mike davidson lives thanks for downloading this latest podcast it's been speaking of a quiet uh, quiet weekend around the household don't mind it too terribly much uh the wife uh, she's been under the weather. I uh, don't know if it's allergies or cold or whatever, but uh, just been she's been miserable this weekend so she uh, pretty much stayed at home, missed some work and uh, decided to catch up on some reading. I, I'm not sure if it's my place to talk about the book that she's reading because you know, reading is a very personal thing. you know music is it any, anymore I think things are very personal. Uh, When you ask about playlists and viewing lists and everything because uh, we live in kind of a judgmental society now. Um, But she said she had to stop reading her book. And this was a book that she read all the way through in 8th grade and loved. She had to stop reading it now, years later, because she found the main character insufferable. She could not stand the main character. And she started talking to me about it and asking if... Uh, There was a main character in a book that I couldn't stand. And I would have to say uh, Holden from uh, Catcher in the Rye. I know that's a classic read uh, for anti-establishment types, you know, J.D. Salinger and everything. But even a guy as cynical as me, uh, somebody who is as skeptical as me about things, just found the dude insufferable. Because this was like a, a teenage kid. That found fault in everything and idolized his past, and it was just it got grating after a while. And it's not that long of a book, and it just it, I couldn't stand reading that book. Read it once, not going back again. Sometimes it happens. That uh, that happens. Kids were happy this weekend. Uh, they got they gave um, the water table workout. That was a gift for my son's birthday this past week. He loves it. <laughs> his uh, sisters love it too. And what's neat about it is, got a nice little plug in the back, unlike, say, a kiddie pool. Yeah, so when they're done, I can just pull that plug, it drains, and I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, green algae or mosquitoes nesting back there this summer. It's it's fine. We're good. A little cleaner. Now, because the wife was under the weather, we did not get a chance to check out Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and we'll see if we can get her to go see it next weekend. Doing all right-ish this weekend. It was number one. I think it brought in 114 million dollars. But I think initially projected uh, to bring anywhere from 140, 130, and they've had to walk that down. Of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, uh, Marvel, MCU Phase Five, Phase Six, Phase whatever the frick. Uh, just it's it's pretty much lost in the mire of that quagmire. It just it's not marvel after endgame no direction and uh, there's a lot of other things wrong with it a lot of things wrong with disney so it's kind of unfortunate to see uh, guardians 3 kind of take a hit financially but i mean that's the studio and fans are getting burned out i kind of get it but uh, from what i understand uh some decentish reviews for this movie i mean I'm, I'm not expecting like citizen Kane here because it is a superhero flick and it's the third one of a series but uh, I do want to see it, and I hope I hope it does entertain me when I finally get to see it. I didn't see any of the coordination this past weekend, by the way. Uh, the perk of being an American, you just don't give a shit about uh, kings and queens because uh, you have your own problems. You have Republicans and Democrats over here, um, but uh, King Charles is now King Charles. Prince Charles is now King Charles that is, and uh, his side chick is finally Queen Camilla. Yeah, um, and I'm sure there's there are some royal watchers that are a little despondent that uh, it's not Diana up there. Get that. But again, I also don't really care too much about this. But it is interesting, though, um, because I, when that whole thing, that whole fracas broke free, and uh, Diana was pretty much trying to, uh, excise herself from from that situation with uh, Charles and Camilla and everything. How hated Camilla was, how hated she was uh, by a lot of royal watchers and uh, how that fairy tale marriage came to an end. but you know over the weekend you had all these celebrities American and uh, British alike over there uh, paying homage to uh, King Charles and queen side chick so uh, congrats i guess for just <laughs> just uh, not giving up hope when it seemed hopeless or something i don't know uh but uh, this should be a short reign because he's in his 70s and then uh, you know his son takes over and we'll see what happens i don't know i'm not sure what the royals really do really anymore you got a prime minister you got parliament over there and then you got uh, uh, this big palace with uh, a living wax museum in it. It's, it's just interesting. All right, uh, congratulations to all the horses that did not die this weekend at the Kentucky Derby. If you uh, showed up, you finished the race, and the vet didn't see you, you uh, got to you know, go out the pasture another day. So, congratulations. There. But, like, six or seven of these horses died leading up to the race. They had to be put down. It's just crazy. Um, PETA, by the way, issued... <laughs> yeah, of course they had opened their mouths. They, they issued a, a press release talking about how this just seems wrong. Uh, they did uh, commend the veterinarian uh, services uh, out there at Churchill Downs. But uh, they're they saying until things can be figured out, we need to shut down the track. Well, it's not like uh, the Kentucky Derby takes place every day, guys. Uh I'm sure there'll be an investigation, but it is it is weird that six or seven horses died, uh, and I'm sure somebody's going to look into that. Uh, it's probably not going to be anybody at the United Nations. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this over the weekend on Twitter. I do have this screenshot, um, and I want to try to post this somewhere where people can see it but because uh, the the globe is always in tumult, uh turmoil, chaos, you know, there's war and, and nobody wants war. War sucks. Um you know, that thing going on in Ukraine, Ukrainians versus Russians and uh, it's a big mess, big mess, and uh, everybody wants peace, right? Well, most do. Uh they the uh, social media manager obviously had the weekend off because uh They try to do a a hashtag with this post, saying you know you need to you know know, stop war and everything. I think they meant to say invest in peace, but the hashtag was incest in peace. And you know we uh, since the Confederacy fell back in the 1860s, we haven't heard a peep. So maybe there's something to it. I don't know. That insistent beast, Twitter was having a field day with it. But the thing was, this thing was up for like 18 hours. And to me, this is supposed to be an organization, supposed to be, in theory, an organization that's proactive and has got its finger on the pulse of uh, what's going on globally. And you can't figure out what's going on with your own Twitter, Twitter account on a Saturday afternoon. And everybody is just mocking your organization and this hashtag it, it yeah it's uh, it kind of gives you a glimpse of just how effective the United Nations really is all right um, another quick uh, update on the whole on um, uh, Jeffrey Epstein thing because another document dropped I guess uh, uh, Treasury Secretary Larry Summers I think when he was at Harvard met with Epstein uh, after the uh, conviction i basically summers is saying that he was uh, there to turn down donations to harvard okay great you turned down donations why couldn't you just send like an emissary why do you have to do a face to face with this dude uh, i would just i even if it was just business larry it's not a good look and seeing how you're in politics it's an extremely terrible look and uh, boy this is a shocker apparently uh, Jeffrey Epstein met with Woody Allen. What would be the, uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what are the odds, right? Uh, yeah, he met with him and, um, had dinner, I guess, a couple times, but they were talking business. And again, this is after their con- uh, conviction. And one of Woody's people said, no, 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 don't get the wrong idea. Uh, Woody would never have a meal with this man if, uh, if Woody's wife was not present with him. Uh, that also makes it look really really terrible given the context of woody and his wife's relationship and i'm not going to get into that you can always google uh if you're a little too young to understand that all right quick update with uh all things dylan mulvaney bud lightish as you know uh across the country there are there's been kind of a silent protest uh and you can see it in the declining sales of bud light and what I find very funny about it all is the people that are uh, upset about it saying, "Well, we, we've outed the bigots. We know know who you are now." And it's like, "No, no, you don't. You you really can't track people who are biting your product, or can you? Um, you know, the 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 problem here is you know you had your a VP of marketing talking about in a podcast how like she in Bud Light wanted to stop catering to." Uh, the Fratty image you know dudes having fun image and they did just that and they couldn't find that um, progressive drinking uh, crowd that was supposed to fill the void so not only are you seeing these people that you so not only are you not seeing these people that used to drink the product not in beer lines at Fenway Park but you're also not seeing uh, the progressives that uh, this uh, D- Dylan Mulvaney thing was supposed to attract. And, you know, now Bud Light is talking about how, like, oh, we never meant this to be a main uh, advertising campaign. And it's like, dude, you gave a personalized beer can to a theater kid with a TikTok account. You didn't think a few million eyeballs were going to see this? It's also now taking a very interesting turn. Because not only do you have uh, more socially conservative people avoiding Bud Light because of Dylan Mulvaney's involvement, But because Bud Light and Budweiser are trying to, like, uh, play the middle ground, uh, the gay community, the Alphabet uh, Mafia, a little upset with them. I think it was his Two Bears Tavern. It's a gay club, a gay nightclub in uh, Chicago. Because of Bud Light's waffling, they, too, will no longer carry Bud Light. Those bigots. (laughs) No, seriously, um, this has been the problem from day one with this thing. Dylan Mulvaney, as I've said before, has chosen to be a hot-button topic. And the fact that you had these gurus, these advertising gurus, these, these execs that went to Ivy League and know more about business than anybody that has actually done business, the fact that they thought that this was a good idea just shows how removed from reality they are they made their product now part of a hot topic and now it doesn't matter what side they lean toward they could try to cater to uh those who are socially more conservative but they're going to piss off the uh, progressives they were supposed to attract they could try to do more things to bring in a more progressive crowd but that will again alienate more socially conservative drinkers The whole thing is, you avoid it. And what's amazing to me is, you know, before all this, you had, you know, conservatives, you know, socially conservative people drinking Bud Light, and you had gay nightclubs with Bud Light on tap. It was already an inclusive beverage. It was already available to people from all walks of life. We were already drinking beer before this whole Dylan Mulvaney thing happened. And now Anheuser-Busch is in the middle of it and they can't figure out a way to get out of it. That's why if you are a product that's not political, you don't make yourself political. But that's the bed they crapped in. Oh, um, so the MTV Movie Awards, uh, the Movie TV Awards, whatever the hell they're calling themselves now, was on tonight. Nobody watched. It was uh, supposed to be live, but they ran into a few snafus. Uh, for one, uh, Drew Barrymore, who was supposed to host, didn't host because she's showing solidarity with uh, you know, the striking writers of Hollywood, meaning she doesn't know how to come up with her own joke, So that's probably why she didn't do it. And uh, because of the striking writers outside of the award show, they decided to do a pre-taped thing. So it was not live. It was just a pre-taped event. Um, but, you know, even if they did do it live, even if they did find somebody that uh, would host this, I mean, even if you got a few billboards of the striking writers outside this award show, would it really matter? Because I don't think anybody's watching it. One of the trends with the Viacom stations, uh, you know, your MTV's, your VH1's, your TV Lands, your BET's, your whatever. Uh, when they have a major event coming up, they ad- they advertise it across the entirety of their cable channels. So, like, you had this little ticker. I was over at my uh, mother-in-law's house earlier today uh, doing some yard work for her. And I was inside the house. She had um, TV Land on. And the TV Land, being its own channel, had a countdown ticker for this MTV Awards show. And it is funny because it was uh, running during Golden Girls. And the demographic for the Golden Girls, a show that's been off-air now for about oh, 30 or 40 years, reruns, it caters to older women. You're, you're advertising an award show, a hip, you know, groovy type of award show on MTV to a bunch of old people that can't be bothered with uh, the latest incarnation of Wednesday Addams or Stranger Things or uh, uh, <laughs> any of the stuff. So th- they're... Uh, just trying to get eyeballs to watch it and they're desperate to because again nobody watches mtv and nobody watches award shows nobody watches the oscars and i I hinted at this not too long ago uh, and i even linked up um uh nerdrotic the the, that youtube uh, channels uh, take on these new oscar standards that um i think it was last podcast or the podcast before that but they were talking about uh, the diversity measures for a film to be nominated, like, now you have to meet, you know, quotas in terms of casting and uh, music and everything, make sure everything is inclusive, because that's something you can quantify as inclusivity, and uh, I guess on PBS, Richard Dreyfus, uh, who leans left, you know, he's, he's a progressive type of dude, uh, he said that these new standards make him vomit, because, I mean, now you're his his whole take is like, now you're thinking about this instead of making art. You're more concerned about, oh we need X, we need y, we need Z. I've got this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, and there's a whole hell of a lot I don't agree with on with Richard Dreyfuss, but this is a guy that understands his craft, and he understands that uh, you can't just stop making a movie. You know, that you want for Oscar contention and ask, okay, do we cast enough people who are black or Jewish or Hispanic or, you know, are gay? You can't. You just hire who you feel is best for the job, who's got the talent to get it done. Now you're thinking too much about the cosmetics of the situation, not what's important, the story. Um, it reminds me. Of this little argument, it was kind of a public spat that both Spike Lee and Clint Eastwood, you know, both accomplished directors, had publicly, uh, you know, Spike Lee, I guess, gave um, uh, Clint Eastwood crap for having a, a white cast for Flags of Our Fathers, which was a World War II drama about what, Iwo Jima. And that, the thing is, is Clint Eastwood cast it as accurately as he could historically. Historically accurate. And Eastwood said, well, you know, I also made uh, Sands of Iwo Jima, which is kind of a, a bookend to this movie. And it's uh, from the Japanese point of view, and it's a Japanese cast mostly. And I uh, directed the movie Bird about a blues legend, and I used a black cast. And, of course, Spike Lee has cast mostly black, and his thing is you just you don't worry about it. You cast what is important to the story. You can't just stop and think about well, who am I going to offend making this? And that's what Richard Dreyfus is kind of getting on about. But now he's you know he's an old actor, and uh, he's going to be called an old fogey and racist and whatever. And well, I mean he's had a, he's had a pretty good run as as an actor, and I, and I'm a little partial to him because he was in Jaws, which is one of the greatest movies ever. And that was a movie again where you're thinking about art, you're not thinking about. Uh, can we get the damn shark to work? You're just worried about getting the movie to work. All right, speaking of artists, um, I would consider Richard Dreyfus an artist because he's concerned about his craft. I get it, all right? Um, but there are some artists that are so oblivious about um, the actual product that goes out, the, uh, the actual effort that goes into stuff, and they are funding funding the destruction of other people's art Uh, and by other people i mean people that have been dead for about a century or two i mean you might have heard some of the trends now of these wacky environmentalists over in europe it's it's happened like a handful of times uh but they would go into museums they would glue themselves to paintings they would throw paint on paintings they would destroy priceless paintings in the name of the environment basically it's environmental terrorism uh and they were getting money according to this um this report and again i got it on the mike davidson facebook page uh they were getting money from hollywood celebrities people who um people involved in making movies and television adam mckay hollywood director i think his latest effort was don't look up on netflix uh he pledged um four million dollars to this organization uh, that's against oil, against drilling for oil. Uh, Four million dollars from a director of film to destroy paintings, to destroy you know things that signify what Western civilization is all about. Uh, Jeremy Strong, an actor from uh, the show Succession on HBO. Oh, this is a surprise Chelsea Handler. She uh, contributed and I think an heir to the uh, the Disney family. Uh, have all contributed to this organization. Now, you're not an environmentalist if you're out destroying things. It's one thing if you decide to recycle, or if you decide to walk or ride a bike instead of taking the car someplace. I get it, fine, whatever. It's not hurting anybody, and you're making you're making your point without being an obnoxious a-hole. It's another. It's it's also one thing to be an artist who's concerned about it, but the moment. You destroy somebody's art over a uh, subject, a topic that has nothing to do with the art. You're no longer, you're no longer a concerned citizen. You're an anarchist, and you don't give a shit about anybody's productive output. That's how I look at it. And these actors and these filmmakers are donating to this uh, this organization, they should be ashamed of what they're doing. And if they're not calling out people for doing this, uh, finding other ways to protest, then can you really call these people artists? I mean, hell, Chelsea Handler doesn't even have to contribute to this organization. I know she's not an artist. She's just just, uh, an attention-starved eighth-grader, basically. Yeah, so that's uh, that's on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. And And that sucks, too, because, again, you would think they make art. They would respect art. I'm not an artist, and I understand that. Uh, Even if I don't like a sculpture or a painting, it does take some effort to put it all together. Um, Tom Brady shooting down things in the rumor mill. uh, Because last week it was rumored that there was a 50-50 chance that he walks away from that big-time Fox Sports broadcasting contract. Uh, He is now retired, we think. I don't think he's coming back. Um, but uh, he's going to take a year off this year, and I think in uh, 2024 he will be in the broadcast booth for that NFL season, leaving Greg Olson out in the dark. And Tom Brady's gone on social media saying that this is bullshit, this is bullshit. No, I'm not walking away from it. He is taking a year off, uh, but he is not walking away from uh, the contract. I did post this story before Tom Brady, uh, came out and uh, clarified things. But it does make you wonder, even if that was true and Tom Brady walked away, would Greg Olson stay? Because I think the guy has done a commendable job. Uh, he called the last Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs pretty well. Um, but even if Tom Brady did walk away, uh, you would have to think that Greg Olson would be a little you know, pissed off because uh, <laughs> he's basically uh, undervalued by that network. Where would he go? And I'm thinking, you know, Sunday Night Football, NBC, that'd be a great fit for him uh, because Chris Collinsworth can't keep doing forever. But then again, Tom Brady's going to be there, so win or lose, Brady or no Brady, I think Greg Olson goes elsewhere. All right, uh, speaking of sports broadcasts, um, Glenn Kuiper. Uh, He is a uh, play-by-play guy for the Oakland Athletics, soon-to-be Las Vegas Athletics, and Friday he got into some trouble. I think they were out in Kansas City, and he was talking about how he and his, um, during the broadcast, he was talking about how he and his broadcast partner went to the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. And uh, the Negro Leagues was, you know, a, a league obviously set, it existed because segregation existed and baseball integration didn't happen until Jackie Robinson uh, entered the picture in the 1940s and so a lot of black baseball players that could have gone pro didn't go pro because they were there. Uh, so this museum is a, um, it's basically, basically looking at the contributions that these athletes gave to the game. Well, uh, Mr. Kuyper, unfortunately, did not say Negro League. He said something else, the other N-word, and uh, that's kind of a no-no. He apologized for it. He was embarrassed by it. He didn't mean to say it, and, you know, he, you could tell that he was embarrassed by saying that. He didn't mean it to come out the way he did. Now he is suspended as the Oakland Athletics are looking into the matter. I mean, I don't know what else you can say. Uh, Basically, he said something that he shouldn't, and he already apologized for it. But people are calling for his ouster, saying, hey, we know who you are now. God, I hate that. We know who you are now. We know what's in your heart. Uh, (laughs) We're we're coming after you. Knives out, and basically there's going to be a lot of pressure to fire this guy. Uh, for misspeaking the way he did. And again, this is that whole Spanish Inquisition mentality society has now. I'm not saying that uh, it's okay to say this word. I actually hate the N-word. But I also don't like going after somebody who put his foot in his mouth, realized he put his foot in his mouth, and said he was sorry. And he's already being suspended for it. What else do you want from the guy? I mean, there's it used to be when you apologized for something. It was because you felt sorrow in your heart for doing something stupid. you felt embarrassed, you felt guilty. Now you're doing it. <clears throat> now you're doing it because you're scared and and it's just it's an empty exercise. It almost comes off now as um, a sign of weakness, and people can see that. I'm not saying he shouldn't have agreed, uh, apologized. I mean, he certainly felt that in his heart that he messed up. I'm cool with the apology, but then again, I'm not black. But again, I'm also not cancel culture, and I think people need to back off this guy a little bit. Um, it's just, I don't know. Um, I I do know as a broadcaster, uh, you know, looking at some of the FCC regulations. And if you let the F-bomb slip, you know, and, and that's and that's the mother of all swear words. If you let the F-bomb sl- slip just once, it could kill your career. Of course, I'm talking about 20, 30 years ago when there was actual broadcasters at radio stations. Um, but that would kill your career, even if it was accidental. And this is accidental. And I'm I'm just... That is why I'm a little more sympathetic to him on this than most. Not condoning the word, but man alive, I just, I'm not a big fan of that Spanish Inquisition mentality we got out there. All right, so I think I'll wrap it up with this one. Um, I think the ladies might get a, a kick out of this, but this woman in Australia, lucky to be alive, she was uh, going out to her mom's with a gift basket, I, and I, I too have this on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, but... Uh, She took a little wrong turn. Car got stuck four or five days out in the Australian outback. And Australia is famous for animals that will kill you. She's fine. She's alive. They found her. She's good. It was four or five days, though. And so she only had a few things to survive off of. Lollipops and wine. That was it. Lollipops and wine. And the funny thing about the story is, the wine was from her mom it wasn't for her her, her she herself not uh, a drinker she's a teetotaler and she's drinking wine out the you australian know, outback just to survive um i i hope i never get into a situation like that but it does make me want to keep a six pack of beer and a whole bunch of reese cups in the trunk of my car maybe a flashlight maybe uh maybe a tire iron i don't know what else but uh, she's lucky to be alive. That's a good, that's a good story, you know, and, and have a nice little wine buzz on top of that. All right, with that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh. She's back. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlibs. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Live.